0: Page 16, if you're uh, taking notes at home and you want to write it in your booklets. You guys enjoying camp so far? That is good to hear. There's my booklet. Now, hold on, I just got to get um, my pot plant and my apples. It's quite hard to carry both of those things. Okay, there's my, my apples and my pot plant. And my chicken and my steak. We'll come back to that. And there's one more thing. There we go. Okay. You guys ready for this? I know Lachlan prayed. I really want to pray as well. You can't pray too much. How good is it that we get to talk to God? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How good is it that we get to talk to God? Yeah. Let's do that. Father God, we come before you as people who who can't do anything on our own, that will have any lasting significance. But as people confident in your power to open hearts, to change lives. And we've seen so many stories of that this week. Father, I pray please that there will be people out there who will come to life this week that will rise uh, in their hearts and uh, will put their trust in you and be saved. And I pray for those of us who are saved, that you will open our eyes to the hope that we have. Give us hope and then set us free by that hope to live for you, whether in suffering or prosperity, whatever comes, Lord. I pray that you will set us free from this world to live for you. For your glory. Amen. Well, what would you do if you were totally immortal? indestructible. You knew that you could not die. Jono started a fat talk like this a few years ago. Um, he, he thought that this would be the best superpower that you could possibly have. See, so you could grab onto the back of a jumbo jet as it was taken off and go skydiving for free anytime. You wouldn't even need a parachute. Um, you could jump off mid-flight. You could, you could freak people out by like jumping in front of a bus getting hit and everyone would be freaking out and then when they've sort of like calmed down a bit then you freak them out even more by just getting up and keeping on going. Um, There would would be no limit to the amount of awesome stuff you could do. Um, You could surf inside a volcano, um, you could beat up sharks. I don't know, what else could you do? Like, You could learn to be a big wave surfer because it wouldn't matter how many times you fell off. I reckon being immortal would be pretty cool. Now I'm not too old, okay. Someone today thought I was 27. No, I'm not that old. I'm not that old, okay. There are act- I'm 23, um, but there actually have been a few times when I thought I was going to die. Once I was bitten by an ant, and turns out I'm allergic to ants, which are scary things to be allergic to, okay? Because you are never safe from ants. They can get you anywhere, okay? Like a nut, right? I'm sorry to all people who are allergic to nuts. That's probably a terrible thing to be allergic to. But nuts can't crawl into your bed while you're asleep. (laughs) Anyway, I got bitten by this ant, right? And I'm lying on my driveway having this anaphylactic reaction. I'm swelling up. I'm I'm starting to find it hard to breathe. And my parents, both doctors, are standing over top of me yelling at each other about what they should do. And I'm like, guys, I'm about to die. <laughs> I don't want the last thing I see to be you two arguing with each other. The other thing I remember thinking is, I can't die yet. There, have been a lot, there are a lot of people I haven't told about Jesus. In the end, I didn't die, as you can see. And that sort of thing has actually happened to me quite a few times in a few different ways. And I think it gives me a real perspective on life. See... You don't know when you're going to die. It could be sooner than you think. I hear all the time on the news of teenagers who die unexpectedly. I know one thing for sure 100 out of 100 people in this room will have a funeral. Within 100 years or so, every person in this room will be dead. Now, death sucks it takes away everything that's good. Everything you've worked for in your life, it brings it to nothing. Everything that's precious to you, death takes it all away. But tonight we're talking about the death of death. Our greatest enemy, death, has been destroyed. It doesn't have to steal your life from you. You can be immortal. That's where we're heading. This week we're learning about something called eschatology, big word, means the study of last things. Why would I not put my phone on silent? Not my phone. Why would you not put your phone on silent? Haha. let's answer it. If you're watching this at home, I apologize, this is too good, oh, we missed it. No, I know who it is. They know who it is as well, they've stopped, that's clever. Okay, I'm going to put that on silent. Okay, we're we're back. Guys, um, eschatology, the study of last things, okay? Um, That's what we've been looking at all this week. Eschatology, what are we waiting for? What is coming? What will happen in the end? And last night we did cosmic eschatology, okay? What will happen to the cosmos, the universe, God's plan? It will become a restored, reunited, rock-solid new creation, But what about personal eschatology? What will happen to you in the end? You personally. Will you be reincarnated and and come back as another life form, as Buddhists think? Or will you go to purgatory to pay off your sin before you can go to heaven like Catholics think? Or will you kind of come back as some sort of disembodied spirit like New Age uh, religions sometimes think? What will be your journey? once you leave this life into the next? That's the big question we're asking tonight. What will happen to you in the end? Although I should say tonight we're only talking about Christians, people who are citizens of Jesus' kingdom. Tomorrow night we'll deal with what happens for those outside the kingdom. But listen tonight to find out what you have to look forward to as a Christian or what is on offer to you from God if you become a Christian. But let me stop asking you a question. Can we even know the answer to this? Isn't everyone just guessing? The part of the Bible we're looking at tonight, 1 Corinthians 15, says the answer is no. We are not just guessing. It's possible to know confidently what will happen. Why is that? Well, it's the first big point we're going to see tonight. If you're taking notes, number one, we can know confidently what will happen because Jesus is our prototype. Okay, have a look with me at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is a chapter from a letter Paul wrote to the Corinthians to help them understand this exact issue. And do you see what he's saying there? Two things to get. Number one, Jesus has been raised from the dead. And number two... He is the first fruits. Now, what are first fruits? Um, they're the first pieces of fruit to appear in a crop, and they tell you what the rest of the crop is going to be like. Now, who likes apples? First hand, Nick, come up here. How much do you like apples? A lot. A lot. You're in luck, my friend. Look at this box of apples, and a phone, <laughs> and a phone. Now, Nick, could you just try that apple? Look how big these apples are you try that apple? They're pretty warm. They've been in my car. And just tell everyone how that apple tastes. Sweet. 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 Based on that apple, how do you reckon those apples will taste? The same. The same. Give them a clap. You can take your apples, mate, but not that apple. Leave that one there. You take those ones. (laughs) Okay, you got the picture? First fruits. Jesus is like that. He's the first fruits that shows you what the rest will be like. Okay, he's the prototype. What happened to him will happen to us. So if you want to know your personal eschatology, what will happen to you in the end, look at what happened to Jesus. That is, if you're a Christian. Now that's really good news because it means we aren't just speculating and guessing. We can literally look back in history and see what happened to him because there's rock solid evidence for what happened. It's a simple fact of history. And so we can know confidently what will happen. Jesus is the prototype. So let's look at the, the prototype. What happened to Jesus? Well, the first thing to note is that Jesus was physically resurrected. The verse we just looked at, uh, verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. You know the story? Jesus was killed on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he came alive again. But the important point to get here is this. Did he come alive again just as like a spirit, a ghost? Well, let's do some detective work, okay? Let's consider the evidence. Now, I've listed some of it on your booklets in front of you. I've also put uh, the verses there that this comes from. Now, you can go and read these for yourselves later because those are actually eyewitness accounts from people who were there. This is history. It actually happened. And here's the evidence. You ready for this? Things that happened after Jesus died. Number one, the body was missing from the tomb. There was no body in Jesus' tomb. Number two, the grave clothes were still in the tomb. Now That's a true story. Now let me ask you this. If you, were, if you were stealing a body, would you stop to unwrap it? I'm not an expert, but I would say a human body is easier to transport when it's wrapped than when it's messy and bloody. So why would it be unwrapped if someone stole a body? Unless, unless the body came alive and unwrapped itself so that it could walk. Piece of evidence number three, the disciples see Jesus in person and it's him. Piece of evidence number four, they touch him in person. One disciple in particular, Thomas, is finding it hard to believe that he's alive again. I don't really blame him. And so he says, I'm not going to believe until I can touch his, the holes in his hands, put my hand in his side. And so Jesus says, all right, Thomas, do it. And he does. And Thomas realizes this is his his Saviour, risen from the dead. It convinces him. Last piece of evidence, number five. This is a funny one. He eats fish. I love it. It's a funny thing to include in the story, but it's there. Um, He eats fish after he's been raised to life. Now, these things are all history. We learn them in historical documents, reliable eyewitness reports. This is what actually happened. And so let's put them together. Um, Was Jesus a spirit, a ghost, a ghost? Well, his body was missing. You could touch him. He could eat. Can a ghost eat? Well, Jesus actually makes that point in Luke 24. A ghost doesn't have flesh and blood. It wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus himself, body and all. Which explains why the tomb was empty. Because the body got up and walked out. Now, the word for that is resurrection. Not resurrection. Resuscitation, where you don't really die and you revive. It's resurrection. You were fully dead and now you are fully alive. Not partly alive like a ghost, fully alive. Like you were before. My mate, who I have coffee with quite often, he's not a Christian. He thinks Jesus was a zombie. Okay, now who watches Walking Dead? Okay, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's good or not, but it's about zombies, so probably not. Eats of my mates do watch it and they tell me about it. And I was thinking, what's the difference between a zombie and a living a, a person, right? Eat zombies eat brain. There's one key oh. difference. <laughs> Let me tell you the difference I thought of. Not a, <laughs> not a conversation this far. <laughs> the, the difference, I think the most important difference between a zombie and a person is that a zombie is dead and a person is alive. Despite the fact that the zombies are walking around, they're dead. Despite the fact that the person's walking around, they're alive. There's the key difference. A person is not dead, and Jesus was not a zombie, because Jesus was not dead. He was fully, 100 percent alive, no less alive than he was one week earlier before his death. He wasn't a zombie, he was a person. In fact, he's still alive today, which is a love, it. it's why you can pray to him. It's why he he, he can have a relationship. You can't have a relationship with a dead person. But he's alive right now. You can have a relationship with him. Two more things to realize about our prototype Jesus. B, he had the same body. Now we just saw that. His body was missing. Thomas put his hand in his scars. He still had his scars. He had the same face. They recognized him. The same build. It was the same body that he'd had when he was alive. Now raised to life. Third, or C, it was a transformed body. Now this is crazy. It was the same body, but there was something different about him. See, there were two pieces of evidence that I didn't tell you about yet. Here you go. Number, what are we up to? Five, six. Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first. Okay, It's him. It's his body, but there's something different about him. It's not until later she recognizes him. And number, what are we up to, seven? A bit later, he walks through a locked door. How hectic is that? The door's locked, uh, and he gets through. This is a body, but it's not your normal sort of body. It's still physical. You can touch it, but there's something different about it. It's transformed. You maybe could think of it a bit like the X-Men. They still have bodies, physical bodies, but their bodies are different to ours. That's a trippy thought. But there's our prototype. Jesus was physically raised with the same body, but it was a transformed body. And so as we talk about what will happen to us in the future, we'll be tempted to ask, can God really do that? How do I know God can really raise me from the dead? Well, here's the thing. He already has. He's done it once with Jesus. He can do it with you again. Which brings us to you and I. What will happen to us? Well, point number two, big point number two, like our prototype, when Jesus comes back, we will be physically raised like Jesus was. Grab your Bibles, stay in 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to see this. We've already looked at verse 20, which talked about what had happened to Jesus. But have a look at verse 22. It says for as in Adam all die so in Christ shall all be made alive when you're born you're born in this category called Adam you're in Adam and people in Adam die but when you become a Christian you step into a new category called in Christ and the people in Christ will be made alive and here's what happens to the people who are in Christ uh, or when it will happen verse 23 But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. When will this happen? When Jesus comes back. He's going to come again, and the dead will rise. Now, what sort of bodies will we have? Well, if Jesus is our prototype, we'll expect it to be like his, which means we'll expect three things to be true it'll be a physical body, it'll be the same body that we have now. But it will be a transformed body, a more glorious body. And that's exactly what the rest of the chapter goes on to tell us. And I'll show it to you. But first, we've got to get our heads around uh, this chicken, this steak, this pot plant and this seed. Okay? So um, there's a seed there. We'll start with the chicken and the steak. Who likes chicken? I'm not giving this away. This is a a raw chicken. That would be unhygienic. Uh, but, But chicken, who likes steak? chicken steak steak is the correct answer by the way here's the point of that ready it's really simple it's really simple there's more than one sort of body really simple there's more than one sort of body cows have one sort of body chickens have another sort of body they both have bodies that's very simple now the pot plant and the seed okay um So um, how many of you like pot plants? You are weird. Pot plants are pointless, except in talks. Hopefully this will be the first pot plant in the history of the universe that's not pointless. Hand down. (laughs) This is a seed called Frank, okay? Now let me tell you about Frank. Frank is small and hard and he's pretty boring, okay? Okay. He doesn't do anything, he doesn't change, he doesn't grow, he doesn't breathe. He just sits there. Now let me tell you a story about Fergus. Oh no, Fergus on the other hand, right? This is a pot plant, yep, it's called Fergus. And Fergus is way more interesting than Frank. Uh, Still not all that interesting, but way more interesting. Because Fergus is alive, Fergus grows, Fergus is constantly changing. Um, He's a little wilted because he's been in my car and um, Fergus, uh, you might not know this, but he's breathing. Okay, um, I'll tell you a story about Fergus. Fergus started off life just like Frank. Okay, Fergus used to be a seed, but then the craziest thing happened. Seed Fergus got planted in the ground, buried, and he started changing. Now, Seed Fergus has actually disappeared, um, and all that's left is Plant Fergus. But let me see if I can make the point here, make this the first pot plant in the history of the world. That's not pointless. Uh, You can say three things about Fergus the pot plant. Number one, you can say that seed Fergus has died. There's no more seed Fergus. Two, now seed Fergus is plant Fergus. So actually you could say that seed Fergus has been transformed. And number three, you could say that uh, seed Fergus is actually still with us. This is still Seed Fergus. In fact, uh, it's actually still the same body, the same seed. Some of those molecules and the chemicals and the atoms are transformed into Plant Fergus. Okay? Can we get a clap for Plant Fergus? Yeah. Now, where am I going with that? Put Seed, seed Frank in my pocket. Um, where, where am I going with that? This is the part you need to listen That is a picture, right, of how a body can die and then come back transformed and be transformed into a more glorious body. Like the chicken and the steak, it's a different sort of body, but they're they're still bodies. But like the seed and the plant, it's still the same body. It's just that it's been transformed. You guys tracking with that? Well, when we're raised from the dead, we will still have a body. It will be the same body that we have now, but it will be transformed into a more glorious body. Now we've gone through that, I'm ready to read to you the next part of 1 Corinthians 15. Have a look at verse 35. He uses some metaphors. I hope you understand them now. Here we go. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. (laughs) Apparently it's a foolish question. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies, right? Seed. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or, or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed, its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, fish another. There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another and the stars another and star differs from star in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. Do you follow that? Let me boil it down. There are two sorts of bodies. Like steak and chicken are different. Earthly body, heavenly body. They're both rock solid bodies. But like chicken is different to steak, earthly is different to heavenly. When we die, we die an earthly body, but it will be like a seed turning into a plant that same body will be raised to life again, but it will be transformed into a body far more glorious. So it'll be just like Jesus' resurrection body. Our resurrection body will be a physical body. It will be the same body that we've got now, but it will be transformed into a more glorious body. Now Jesus still looked like Jesus, but he was different. How cool is that? Listen to the way Paul describes this resurrection body in verse 42 so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It breaks down. It wears out. It gets tired. It is raised imperishable. That's from verse 42. Our new bodies won't break down. We won't get sick. We won't wear out. I don't think we'll get tired. Verse 42, keep going. It is sown in dishonor. That is, we're currently living in a sinful world. It is raised in glory. True story. Our resurrection bodies will shine with God's glory. We'll reflect it like mirrors. How cool is that? Verse 42, keep going. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. You know, Jesus' miracles were hints of what would happen. He gave sight to the blind. He, he, those who couldn't walk were healed Our weaknesses and our sicknesses will be fixed. Sown in weakness, raised in power. But even better than that, we'll be able to live perfectly for God. See, the thing that makes it hard for us to live perfectly for God now is that we're so weak. Our bodies are weak. Our desires are broken. But that will be fixed. And so we'll be able to obey God. Listen to me. If you find it hard now to not sin, the Bible has good news for you. Our resurrection bodies will be able to never sin. Instead of being weak, we'll be raised with power. And how will all that be possible? Verse 42: it is, or 44: it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Another way you might describe that is a spirit. Empowered body. It'll be like the blood flowing through our veins will be the Almighty Holy Spirit. Not our weak blood, but God's own Spirit giving life to our bodies. Now, this is so much better than the picture of like angels on clouds playing harps. These are real bodies, rock solid bodies, restored, transformed, glorious. I'm hoping that right now, thousands of questions are flooding into your head. Will this body still have the scars and tattoos and piercings that I got on earth? If I work out on earth, will I have bigger muscles in heaven? How old will my heavenly body be? Will I get older or will I stay the perfect age, which is 23? Will will I look enough like I do now that people will recognize me? Will my heavenly body be perfectly attractive? Or will I have all of the flaws that I have now? Or will those flaws that I have now actually be really beautiful things to have in the new creation because our standards will be different? Will my heavenly body be able to walk through walls like Jesus could? I reckon it's, it's good to think like that. It's good to speculate and get excited about what this might be like. But remember never to get carried away by speculation because there's a good chance a lot of our guesses will be wrong. Instead, search the Bible. Find out what it does have to say and get excited about the things it does tell us because those are pretty amazing. yeah. Which brings us to point number three and and the, the big point, right? And so, death will be defeated. Do you realize what all of this means? It's the death of death. Death, our greatest enemy, will be destroyed. Death, which steals from us, will be robbed. Death is not powerful enough to hold us. God will raise us up. When Jesus returns, the dead will rise and we will live, really live. You will not be a zombie. You'll be genuinely alive, like you are right now. In fact, more alive forever. Now, this is the hope that we have as God's people. Everyone who has died trusting in Jesus, the dead will rise and we will be together with the Lord in the new creation, the rock-solid, restored, reunited new creation, reunited with God and His people forever. And so look at 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Right now, I can point to death's sting I've been to funerals. Many of you have been to them too. But death does not win. When Jesus comes back, the dead will rise. And then we will say, death, where's your sting? We will live forever with our Lord. And that's the hope that we have. If you've ever lost someone who trusted in Jesus, they will be raised. My brothers and sisters, be comforted in that tonight. In fact, for the Christian, death isn't really like death at all. For the Christian, we'll wake up. It's more like falling asleep. In fact, that's the word the Bible used in verse 20. Jesus, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. If you're a Christian tonight, you can face death and say with the poet John Donne, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'd never heard of him, but how good is this quote? One short sleep we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. You know, for thousands of years, Christians have re- repeated a phrase as part of a creed called the Apostles' Creed, and the, the phrase is this. We believe in the resurrection of the dead to the life everlasting. And I'd like us to say that. You want to try this? With passion, okay? Ready? We believe in the resurrection of the dead to the life everlasting. Great passion. One more time. We believe in the resurrection of the dead to the life everlasting. If you trust in Jesus, you don't need to fear death. You will be raised. Praise God. How good is that hope? Guys, think about the kind of life you can live if you don't need to fear death. This is a sure anchor for your soul. Here, you'll grow old. You will grow frail. No amount of doctors will change that. Don't worry about trying to stay young Don't worry if your life doesn't feel like it's living up to your expectations. If you find it slipping away in pain or sickness or death, one short sleep past, we wake eternally and we will live forever. No matter what's going on in this life, we have this rock solid hope in the new creation, the resurrection of the body. And it is certain because God has already done it in Jesus. Now, what can you do if you have that sort of confidence? Can anything touch you? What have you got to lose? You're already rich. You've got a treasure worth more than anything else this world has to offer, and it can't be taken away from you. In the words of Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and onwards, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our lord with this sort of confidence can anything touch you what do you do if you have that sort of confidence it co- <laughs> not yolo that's the opposite of it it calls us to bold living We don't only live once. We'll live forever. It empowers us to really live as citizens of the kingdom because you've got nothing to lose. Death has been defeated. We will live forever. The worst thing that anyone can do to us is the best thing that can happen to us. What are you going to do to me? Threaten me with heaven? Guys, how do you see yourselves now? Do you see yourselves as someone who will live forever? Or do you just live for the here and now? We are the people of God's future. We don't need to live for the here and now. Which means all pain in this life loses its sting. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It means that all temptation in this life loses its appeal. Who cares what I'm missing out on? Money, pleasures, travel, experience. Who cares? I'm not actually missing out on anything. I'm going to live forever. Guys, keep going in suffering. You've got this as a sure hope to look forward to. Hold on. Hold on. Guys, rejoice and worship God. He has given us a rock solid hope. Guys, spread the word about Jesus. Anyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Guys, when our brothers and sisters in Christ die, be comforted. The dead will rise. And in the meantime, live A crazy life for Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on the prize. Don't get distracted by the here and now. We are people of God's future. If following Jesus means sacrifice, know that in the new creation, you will not have one single regret about any sacrifice you made in this life for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we are immortal. We will live forever. Live lives that don't make sense to anyone who doesn't realize what you're waiting for. Because that's the only way to live lives that do make sense of this incredible hope that we have. Brothers and sisters, if you are trusting in Jesus as your King and your Savior tonight, you have this as your hope. We believe in the resurrection of the body to the life everlasting. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this hope of the resurrection of the body to the life everlasting because of what you did in Jesus. God, I pray that tonight, this week, people would put their trust in Jesus and receive this hope. Please, Father, would you help us to live lives that don't make sense to the world because they only live for the here and now but we are people of your future. Please help us to live for that future with hope, enduring in suffering, comforted in death and praising you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.